Welcome back to Leads to Scale, a podcast from Social Media Week. I am your host, Toby Daniels. On this week's episode, we have two Davids in the house. David Schneider and David Levin are joint creative directors from the agency That Lot, a platform-first social creative agency based out of the UK. David Schneider is best known as an actor and writer for TV shows and films and has brought his vast experience to That Lot's video output. David Levin specializes in nailing tone of voice and creating shareable social formats and was also one of the UK's first professional tweeters. During our conversation, the two David shared some interesting stories from the earliest projects that That Lot had worked on and how the agency has evolved since its founding days. David Levin, besides talking about how he gained his expertise on Twitter, also shared his take on why Donald Trump's tweets have been tremendously dominating on the social medias. They also talked about the hottest social tools that we should be looking out for, like Facebook Watch and Stories, and how they will impact the future of social media marketing. Apart from our chat, the two of them also presented an amazing session during Social Media Week London. The session was entitled Creating and Landing Video on Social, which is also available to re-watch via our on-demand video platform, smwinsider.com. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to Leads to Scale. On the podcast today, we have David Schneider and David Levin, joint creative directors at That Lot. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Hello. Good morning from Brexit Britain. Oh, very good, very good. Straight in there. First few seconds, we get political. I love it. So um, for the uninitiated people out there listening to the podcast, um, tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do. Well, uh, yes, so I suppose we're a social-first agency. Um, We've come together, we've got different backgrounds. So my background is I started off as an actor and a writer, director um, on uh, British TV and some uh, international films. I had a cameo on Mission Impossible. uh, And I recently wrote Death of Stalin. Uh, and um, Is that yet, not still available for download now? It is, thank you, David, yes, for which I probably get two cents <laughs> if I can use uh, American currency. Um, so, uh, and I met David who... Dot, dot, dot. Um, I, uh, yeah, my first job was at MTV, started out there. I was an intern, then um, wrote um, scripts there for a while and wrote um, lots of uh, wrote news. And then was a freelance writer for quite a few years, uh, writing for various terrible magazines. Uh, then became a copywriter, writing for quite a lot of brands. Um, wrote and produced um, the, the first entertainment channel on Facebook, but it was a thing for, for O2. Uh, and then, cutting a long story short, maybe I don't need to cut it short, but <laughs> set up a Twitter account for my local pub, uh, which got quite popular, and then I became the UK's first professional tweeter. Yes, and I was building up a, 
uh, sort of following on Twitter. I think mainly from people who thought I was actually David Schwimmer from Friends, but it doesn't matter, they all count. Um, and wasting a lot of time on Twitter uh, in particular, and then started because I was directing uh, Above the Line ads, started to think, well, you know, maybe there's an opportunity here. I was seeing a lot of uh, brands and businesses and broadcasters weren't doing it very well uh, and thought of sort of doing it for a, um, sort of more professionally. Um, also, I was embittered about TV. Uh, and so then, yeah, then started, then met David. That's when I met David and sort of decided to set up an agency. to sort of, For me, it was to apply the rigor of TV and film production, writing, what have you, to social media, because uh, it felt like it was all a bit slapdash and mm -hmm. let's, just, let's just tick that box rather than do really good quality stuff. So let's, talk, let's talk about the 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 moment when you first met uh i mean you know how was the chemistry was it pretty like intense i can imagine like at first you're like oh you have the same name as me and then you start to establish some other things that you also have in common like what 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 did actually happen at the point at which you meet because you are so similar in so many ways but also at the same time you you complement uh, each other. So I'm just curious to know, like, you know, how long did it take for you to consummate the relationship? This is lovely. It's like a really nice form of counselling. Mm, yeah. <laughs> we met, so I think, so I was speaking at one of uh, Twitter's events. Um, they got me to speak because I'd become uh, this, uh, yeah, a tweet writer about town, as I know sometimes called the acronym, which, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, they, I, they got right. me to speak at their event. And then I think think you were speaking at the one after or something mm. and they uh, Twitter had been saying to me for a while because I've been whoring myself around lots of agencies um, uh, and finding that they had lots of great um, copywriters that didn't get social and lots of social media experts that weren't creative or weren't writers and there was sort of nothing in between and that's what I, I was filling that space um, and when I'd been chatting to the guys at Twitter who were quite interested in the fact that I was now tweeting for a living they had said to me for a, a while, you know, you should set up an agency doing what you're doing. And I was sort of, don't really know what that means. I wouldn't know how to set up an agency. Uh, and then after I spoke at their event, um, they said, oh, you should really, they introduced me to, to David saying, um, I don't know if it was because you were setting up an agency or just because they thought we'd get on, but I think they put you in touch, didn't mm, they? Yeah. yeah, and we were, we were thinking, and when I say we, it's me and a third David, because the basic rule of business success, and I hope this is the one takeaway that uh, your listeners will uh, take away, is always work with people who have the same name as you. Yep. Uh, so there was actually three Davids involved, and the other David was a bit more um, entrepreneurial. He's got a history, he's, so he's David Beresford, he has a surname as well, and uh, he comes from a sort of banking background, uh, and uh, I mean, if, if it was just left to me and the David here, um, it would just have been a slapdash piece of chaos. Well, what was really interesting about that is that you, someone suggested to you, oh, you should start an agency. And, and you were like, I, I don't have no idea how to do that. Mm. And so you turned to David Schneider, who clearly has a long yeah. history of build, <laughs> building yeah. successful... Yeah. Uh, a long history of no idea how to do that. <laughs> and then yeah. you turned to a banker. Yeah. So you guys really didn't know what you were doing. Yeah. Well, it's great. I, I knew David... Beresford, he was well, he was doing funny satirical photoshops for me. That's how we met. <laughs> okay, so it was even more bizarre. Right, for like the Huffington Post. So we started to do stuff. I mean, if you can, that's a nice sound, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It's well, we'll uh, we, we we won't do anything with that. It'll yeah. still be in the okay. final podcast. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, it's good. So if you think you know what that sound is, write in and we'll, uh, <laughs> there'll be a prize. Um, so no, I think so. Me and David Beresford were doing like um, stuff for Huffington Post. So we'd already started thinking. Okay, people are interested in in our content, right? Um, though that was a term that I would never have used then. Content. Right. I can't believe I say learnings without 
blushing. You I said mean, loads of these. Now. Loads. Yeah. Of them. Well, you, you said. I think you said one of you said social first agency as well, which I is. Oh, he's done loads yeah, worse. Yeah. The other day, you said to me, "Oh, was it me?" One of us said synergize. Yeah, and that I was thought, you. Don't blame me. Well, no. the worst that I've done, and luckily I did catch myself by the end of the sentence, was saying branter as in oh. brand banter and yes. I almost didn't realise what a terrible thing that was to say but right. then luckily said and it's quite old now that's a bit it's yeah. Not, yeah yeah 2017 mate god I feel bad about myself I'm going to have to end this interview <laughs> um, so anyway where were we oh yeah so the, so me and David Beresford or DB because there's so many D's right. there's now five Davids in the agency so you're DS obviously oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you're DL. Steve so me and DB um we were thinking, yeah, well, let's 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 look at these brands and stuff, and that's when we met DL. Yeah, and then you and I went for a drink. But there's a bit oh, in between oh. this. So first, so uh, so this day, DS emailed me, um, and because uh, as uh, most people of my age and all my mates uh, were huge fans of lots of David's TV work in the nineties. Uh, Thank you for uh, your support. So uh, and I was also because I spent was spending all my life on Twitter a big fan of yours on Twitter. Thank you. So to get this email was quite so I was around my girlfriend now wife's house. Shout out to my wife as of I think we've been married eight weeks now. Um, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, this email came through on a Sunday morning and uh, I found it very exciting. And I remember um, uh, starting to reply and because uh, I was quite excited about it I was uh, and uh, Lara sort of, uh, looked at her and was like you can't send that and it was like I'd written in caps like I literally love you and like um, and then I just sort of I'd already sent it and she's like he's never gonna get back to you because you're so that was so uncool but he did and then yeah. we went for a went she for didn't a know just how shallow my ego was you see that's <laughs> where it went on that's more likely than ever that I'd get back to you that. Um, then yeah. we went for a drink and yeah. then that was yeah then that was alright actually wasn't it you sort of Went for a quick drink. When was this? 2013. It must have been t- late 2012, I think. Right. 2013, maybe. Yeah, yeah right. 2013. Well, let's, before we sort of c- can continue with the, the backstory, I want to sort of go back because, um, I mean, you, your foray into social media was sort of through the door of Twitter, at mm. least, like, initially. Uh-huh. Um, so let's talk about when you first started to kind of, like, experiment with Twitter. When was that? Well, I've been on it almost 10 years now. Really? Um, this feels wow. like a, yeah, yeah. Um, How old is Twitter now again? It's, must be, it's over 10 years, 12 years. 12. So like you were that. quite an early adopter. Quite an early adopter. So I remember where it was all green fields and, and you know, uh, everyone just doing hashtag games and you could say what you wanted. Right. No one cared. Right. Um, uh, and, you know, before they said, bring on the Nazis. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was all very lovely. Um, but what was great for me on Twitter was that, honing your writing skills Uh, and so and just having this audience where you could instantly know is that a good joke or is that a bad joke and I was sort of still dabbling every now and then with a bit of stand-up so I would do a bit of uh, some jokes on Twitter take them into my stand-up acts etc etc so so yeah and that so that was very early days and so I think what we've done is gone from Twitter and humor into all platforms and sort of not just humor, but humanity, right. know, human feels. Yeah, because Twitter back then, you know, it, it, it was just, it was kind of raw. Um, it was, it felt very real time. Um, I, I think it felt like a safe space as well yes, because the, the haters hadn't like, you know, yeah. uh, joined at that point. Um, and, and what's interesting when I, th- when I think about your core like capabilities, right, as writers, you'd probably, you'd probably say you're like writers first and then all of the other sort of capabilities. Well, not, have not been so much. I think, David, you're yeah, a definitely. writer first. Right. I feel I'm more, uh, 
writer-director, so there's more the visual video right. element for me. But yes, sorry, carry on. Well, well that's, that's a perfect segue because I was, I was going to ask, you know, at, wh at what point did you start to feel um, that the medium of Twitter was limited in terms of, like, the work you wanted to do creatively? And, and where did you look and start to kind of experiment um, in, in terms of, you know, um, in terms of wanting to do things that are a little bit more visual in nature? Yes, so that's an interesting question. So I mean, yeah, I'm not sure if it was so much that it was lack of creative options on Twitter, because that you can, you know, there's there were even quite early after we set up the agency, you know, video and and different types of uh, uh, visual formats were all available. The the change really came out of the fact that we a lot of the clients we were working with, and we got quite a few clients uh, quite quickly. It was obvious to us that they were going to, and in general, the way social was going as much as we loved and adored Twitter, um, we needed to be expanding out to the other platforms. And a lot of what we were doing um, was very transferable to the other platforms, but it definitely meant then we had a job to do of immersing ourselves into um, Facebook and Instagram as much as we were doing in Twitter, which is kind of now, uh, you know, I'm equally as excited about Instagram, um, more so I'd say than Facebook for me um, personally, uh, than I am with Twitter. But um, it was more just about where social was going, and Twitter is still definitely a big part of it, but um, it would have been pretty daft to ignore particularly Facebook and Instagram. Right. How about you? Yeah, I think that that's that's true. You sort of you do drift, especially once you've got an agency, that you drift where the work is, where they want to target. Facebook became so dominant that that became the obvious place to do so much of our, our stuff. Um, uh, and I suppose there's along with the drift from Twitter to other platforms, uh, there's that realization that we shouldn't just do humor and jokes. There, back in the day, it would be, can you do 20 funny uh, tweets for Valentine's Day for Nando's or whatever? Mm. Um, and and that used to be what we do and then gradually it's become you know let's let's do this emotive video let's you know let's mm. let's look at different formats and i think both of us and one of the things that we do well in the company have got get very excited about innovative stuff so mm. um oh look instagram have just brought out this or you know the different so so the sort of stuff that we can innovate and twitter has their own innovation but all the other platforms innovate really interestingly as well and i think one thing that we has been great for us in terms of broadening out is we've always uh, particularly in the creative side hired platform experts so for us and so a good example is snapchat neither of us two are uh, particularly snapchat no i'm not allowed on yeah. i'm too old <laughs> and i barely i barely use it either. but i know i understand it enough to to know what's going on there but i don't really use it but the, when we we've got a few quite big snapchat projects that we uh, work on sort of as a series of world the world's first spin-off snapchat drama um the, but it, the person that uh, oversees that and has overseen a lot of our snapchat stuff is just uh, uh what we were doing on twitter he was that for snapchat he was working there at radio one but we often hire um people who are doing brilliant things on those platforms to work on uh, client work for well let's go back then to when you sort of first formed the agency obviously you mentioned that like you know uh, the some of the early projects involved writing jokes for brands um, walk us through you know the the, the forming of the agency um, you know first hires first projects and, and, and share a few um, you know share a few examples of uh, some of the mistakes that you made early on in, in starting the agency I mean the first few months were it wasn't really an agency. It was just a three, the three of us, Davids, working at home, 
uh, all, we didn't have an office or anything. We always talked about this, this awful, sense, you know, just, but I remember particularly you, just at home, writing, writing tweets in our pants, yeah. um, having the odd chat on Skype. And it was fine. And we had, a, well, I think we had a few clients early on, the Virgin Media, and there were a few people that I, clients that I had as a freelancer that we would just kept working on as a, and um, uh, still then part of our model was we were hired by quite a lot of other agencies because we weren't a threat to them. We were just three, you know, and just, and so we were doing, right, men, mainly just writing lots of, of tweets for lots of different people. And then I think the first project that came in that required a bit more than that was for Virgin Media. And it was for the Commonwealth, Commonwealth Games. That was it. And I remember third day, DV saying he looked at the, the scope of work for it, which now it's looking back, it's like, I mean, it was tiny. But, for, but then it felt like this biggest, it was a couple, a couple of weeks of, of lots of content. And he said, maybe we need an account manager to help us out. And we but these were, like, were all words that we yeah, didn't know. what's an account manager? I mean, manager? the fact, scope of work, what the <laughs> hell was that? Right. How did you even know, like, what to charge the client? We oh, didn't. great question. I mean, uh, you know The Apprentice, those scenes where they, uh, they cuddle around a phone on speaker? <laughs> That was us. Yes. Uh, we go, so so some, uh, there's one meeting, I won't say which, which agency, where we went in, we're here, <laughs> step aside. And they brought us in, we need, we need the big boys. And, and it was like the opposite of um, uh, Austin Powers and Dr. Evil. We said, we want 40 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you could see on their faces. Oh, no, that, he said it. It's the first, he said, he, he was like, a day because <laughs> yeah. we were charging day rates then and uh, whatever this number was and he in he's and he was like he sort of laughed at me and he was like oh I thought you were going to be a lot more expensive than that <laughs> yeah. and, and it's quite difficult you can't really backtrack so, from that yeah, I was yeah. thinking oh I meant to say an hour forty hundred dollars <laughs> we were so oh, bad at it and but literally I remember um, us standing um, somewhere in <laughs> we'd had a meeting with another agency and we were at it was near Old Street or Hoxton you know the trendy uh, East London where we were hanging out and literally like The Apprentice we were on speakerphone uh, to DB who he knows about money. He he's won three games of Monopoly. He must know about money, uh, and and just not knowing at all. But that's why it's good now because he did. So at that point, that was when we he we made the decision quite early on that any conversations about money from that point would happen by a DB yeah. who does know what he's talking about. Um, but yeah, no, we we stopped because there were a few before that that were quite bad. But that was the first time where we we just threw money away. And so so we got an account manager in to help us with that. Oh, yes. who's still with us, which is Tara, and she's fantastic. But I think a big change for us was um, we got a guy called Barney Warfuck Smith in, who um, we I did a talk um, and he used to work at Unruly, which is this uh, they sort of make videos and uh, monitor mm -hmm. um, videos. It's a huge successful company there, and uh, we got talking and. Barney spoke fluent marketing. I mean, so it was... The he is the best at it. Yeah, yeah. And so he then, we could go, Barney, Barney, they said SOW, what's that? Barney, I mean, I used to think KPI was like a, a peanut-based snack, you know. <laughs> I, I, and, uh, I, 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 and Barney, they just said KPI, what do they mean? And you just wheeled Barney. So Barney joined us. And right. you, then I think once we had, you know, we had Tara on accounts and then... Uh, Laura Tannenbaum, who's one of the management team now, she game changer. Yeah, she she joined us from Bauer, and she's super marketing savvy. So once we got like Laura and Barney, there were people who actually spoke the language, 
uh, and could say to us, no, what, like, like talking to children, like seven-year-olds, what the man is saying is that if you <laughs> give him that, he'll give you some money for treats. <laughs> oh, right, okay, so we did this, that was really... To so, what, and to by this point, we had an office as well, so then yeah. it started feeling like it was still very, <laughs> very startup-y, but we had a little... Uh, sort of a corner of one of the floors in and Raleigh where because that's where Barney was before we pinched him um, and then it yeah started feeling a bit like oh hold on maybe this is particularly when yeah when Barney and Laura arrived and, and Tara made a huge difference as well it's kind of she it was she it's worth giving her a shout out for the fact that she left a very big functional agency yeah, yeah. and took a chance and you know we like got on really well and uh, she came in and yeah she's still with us now she's brilliant. To, to, to what extent to what extent did you at the time or were you conscious at the time of wanting to kind of preserve the sort of the, the, the naivety and the sort of, you know, the kind of the non-marketing aspects of what like yeah. makes you guys ultimately a little bit different and probably very interesting to prospective clients? Because I know that you've totally sold out at this point and you <laughs> speak fluent marketing, but... Um, at the same time, you know, I, I'm sure you're, you're, you're self-aware enough to know that that is what sets you aside. That's a great question. And it's something that, uh, yeah, I mean, it will, I'm sure we'll come on to it later, but it's definitely something that uh, we talk a lot about at the moment as we're now part of a bigger world and a, a bigger uh, setup. But I think it's really important, actually, because uh, that is how and why we've got a lot of our clients by because we are a bit different because not like obviously now it'd be, it'd, be, it'd be false to claim we're completely in a different world to that we're not and you couldn't be but we are definitely less sort of um you know marketing uh i think i think we we the work is what comes first maybe yeah and rather than being just another one of those agencies that that talks nonsense about it and then tries to come up with a workout yes yeah, so i think so so we're aware now that you need your strategy and you need your data and i think when we started off it was it was still a bit like i've got a great idea let's just make this video with you know um and now it's all sort of more based on strategy and data and that's one of the reasons why we've joined up with weber shandwick they're very good at that um but um but yeah i think it's important that we both within the company that we preserve this sort of slightly um, sort of uh, startup-y culture and slightly not traditional agency culture um, uh, and outward-facing to clients. I mean, even saying outward-facing, I would never have <laughs> yeah, said that. Yeah, yeah, ironically. But, but I sort of think, um, and I think that can be a strength and a weakness when you're in the, in the um, when you're working for us. It's great. We're so informal and, well, you know, it's all, like, it's all just sort of happens. I mean, there's more and more structures in place. But um, that can also be irritating because, you know, like, who do I talk to about mm. the broken photocopier? You know, yeah, I'd say there's also an area where it's been really helpful to us is, which is relevant here, of course, is, is uh, doing talks. So one of the, as, as well, aside from um, Barney, who's brought in loads of our work and, and clients, um, uh, where uh, an avenue of, of uh, quite a lot of new business for us has been uh, speaking at great events uh, like Social Media Week, and definitely not least Social Social Media Week. Thank but you. But I think part of part of why that has worked well, from what I gather from speaking to our clients, is that because the way we present is definitely not marketing speaky and it's sort of we always try to approach it as being something that hopefully is fairly 
entertaining to watch as well as uh, uh, you'll take lots of learnings from it. Even learnings is another one. Um, I should have a little bell on the desk. <laughs> yeah, 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 Ding yeah. every single time. Um, but you guys I think that, yeah, that, that has worked. Uh, it's worked well for us. This week's Lead to Scale podcast is brought to you by our very own Social Media Week New York 2019. I'm incredibly excited to announce that the 11th edition of SMWNYC will take place between April 30th and May 2nd at the Sheraton Times Square Hotel in New York City. I'm super excited to share with you our 2019 theme, Stories with Great Influence Comes Great Responsibility, which will explore how the content we create and consumes shapes who we are and what we become. Visit socialmediaweek.org forward slash New York and secure your pass today. And if you use the code leads number two scale, you will receive an additional 10% off your pass. Now let's get back to the show. So let's talk about how the agency has evolved from a capability standpoint. And, and actually almost like building off of that last question because... Um, you know, obviously, it's interesting to talk about how you have changed and, and, and how you have had to adapt, but also to a certain extent, the work, right, has changed and the work to a certain extent probably looks very different today than it, it probably did when you first started. It probably is more polished in the same way that you are a little bit, only a little bit <laughs> more, more polished. Um, but, but talk about the capabilities of the agency. When you go in and present to a new client, how, how are you describing what you guys do and what your like, core competencies are? Well, I mean, we now, so in, there's, I think there's heading to around 80 of us now. 81. Uh, is it 81, is it? Okay. Um, and m- pushing for 30 of that are, are people working in video, which obviously is a big change from back in the day. So Channel 4... That's uh, another game changer, Ben. Uh, yeah, so yeah, so our head head of production, head of video, um, Ben Forder, who who runs the video department, and with me as well, it's, it's, it's significant. So that's that you know that's become a very central thing. So we now are like we we, we are a social agency, but we're also a production company. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're making mainly social videos, um, but we're making um, podcasts. So for instance, uh, there's a podcast that we've made. It's a podcast that's now going to be on Radio One. The sort of major uh, network in the UK um, as a program so so um, and that's what I'm looking at developing as well that as a production company so we're going straight to Netflix we're going straight so it's for me personally it's sort of coming full circle whereas I used to pitch TV shows to the BBC then I went into social media and now the way back into getting TV made uh, is is through this social production agency so so that's a big difference there's the video and then the the sort of quality of the design side as well. Another game changer, Klein. Yeah. So the design team is run by a guy called Klein. Him and I used to work together on um, on, like, on shows like The Voice and The Apprentice. Uh, and when I back when I was freelance, um, but yeah, it's similar. Him and Ben, what they have done with those, so their teams are is in, incredible. So we now have um, just a wonderful in-house production team in terms of video and design mixtures of. Uh, platform specialist designers and videographers um, and just people who properly live and breathe social uh, in terms of those disciplines so and and yeah and it's just like trying to sort of see what's coming up so snapchat came through now we've got someone who's uh, an influencer on tiktok 
which is, you know, I, I, I've barely heard of it, but it's got millions and millions of users. Uh, it's coming through with the young people, I hear. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's just also about how that's changing, the, the platforms they're in. So we're now massive on Instagram stories, mm. um, um, and that's an interesting challenge as well because sometimes what cuts through on Instagram stories is not the highly produced videos mm -hmm. um, it's a sort of more native feel but still uh, ingenious and uh, interesting um, so there's that element as well so it's uh, vertical video so we keep adapting as mm. social adapts so stories well, is an sorry yeah, stories is an interesting one that we were talking about here yesterday because that's an example where I feel like we've almost had to particularly from your site so we've taken our video capabilities to Gen making really high-end premium uh, video for lots of our clients. Um, and I think with having this David here, it helps us be able to do that in much more, uh, sort of closer to, to broadcast quality uh, video, but living within social. But, where, but stories has kind of forced us to kind of wind back a bit because some of the video that works best on there is actually really lo-fi and one of the examples I've showed yesterday was McDonald's UK which wasn't one of ours but just did this brilliant 24 hours of McDonald's and none of it it was just you know all just shot it looked like it was just a fan someone who loved McDonald's who had control of their feed and it's sort of adapting to to that style of video as well as the real shiny stuff. So, uh, well, you just referenced, um, well, you referenced the fact that we are obviously here at Social Media Week um, in the wonderful city of London. Um, and you spoke yesterday. Talk a little bit about what you guys covered in your presentation. Yeah, so it was about um, how to cut through and land social video. So it's it was sort of in two parts, really. David here did uh, an overview of what works on the platforms mm -hmm. um, and how, because everything we do is, is platform specific. Sure. And then I went into the nitty gritty, sort of drawing on my experience with TV and film, um, of how you tell a story successfully on uh, in video, right down to each frame and how you tell a story in each frame and what to look out for mm -hmm. to make the, each frame, each scene, each beat of the story work. So it's sort of, that's what we like to do. I think it's just make sure, I mean, I, I'm still very shallow, so I like to get the laughs. Right. But what I realized doing talks like Social Media Week, it's also really nice to see people taking notes, people taking photos, you know. So that also um, is reassuring. I also enjoy that you got uh, a Brexit gag in there really early yeah just yeah 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 I just said that uh, we had to hurry up because uh, my it's my turn to be Brexit secretary um, <laughs> <laughs> because everyone everyone resigned so quickly from that job that everyone in the nation it's like national service we get called up to uh, to do your it's quite exciting program. though because where social media is taking place is you know it's a four minute walk to, to number 10 so you can sort of almost feel you can feel yeah. the chaos from here yeah. oh it's been it's been like intense this week it yeah. really it really what a week has to arrive in yes. Westminster <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, totally <laughs> it's all your fault yes um, well you know we have our own you know levels of intensity in the US uh, going on right I'm, now so it it, it, so. It, it it feels I feel very much at home in <laughs> either country at this but he, point. that's someone I don't want to I mean this I'll be careful what um, Donald Trump Oh, got go. into this the other day. No, no, no. But this is where, and I nearly, there was, I very nearly did, I got asked to do a, um, a TEDx talk and, uh, and it was going to be on the subject and then both uh, the person organising it and myself got nervous about it. But this, I stand by the fact that despite, and now let me be clear, um, <laughs> having no affection for that man at all and him being, uh, in my opinion, uh, a terrible person, he is... The, in the greatest, in terms of how he uses Twitter, um, better 
than any other politician in my lifetime. And I definitely include Obama. And, and like, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that knowing how he uses it for evil, in my opinion, and how he, and how, you know, but in terms of his, the way he approaches it and how he's turning that to his, his benefit, he does a lot of the things that we well, let, let, let's about. Okay, I, let's I, talk I about, disagree with yeah, that. I was yeah. going to, let's talk about that because like, uh, <laughs> the, 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 taken a the, yeah, let's cut to a commercial break. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, but, but I think I get it. I, I sort of, you know, somewhat agree with you. But the thing that I take issue with is this idea that there is a master plan, right? And or a strategy of some kind that he's following um, and then executing on that strategy through how he uses Twitter. I, I'm sorry, I don't buy that idea at all. It, he uses it like a blunt instrument. Mm. And while he might be effective, there are plenty of effective blunt instruments out there, like a sledgehammer, for example. Mm. But it's not nuanced. It's not like a particularly fine tool. Uh, it's just used for like basically knocking walls down, and I just think that's how he really sort great of approaches. That he has a content calendar. What yeah. we don't realize is a three-month content <laughs> See, calendar. No, his, his, his caddy, his, his ex-golf caddy, is the guy that tweets like on behalf of of Donald Trump, and it's it's yeah. I don't think there's much nuance to what he does. Anyway, I, I, DS though, I'd love to hear your perspective on this. Because, yes, uh, well, we, I think we both think that. Uh, DL is wrong. Yeah. I think, well, <laughs> I think where you're right uh, is uh, where we say, you've got to be authentic, got to be in your authentic voice. So he is, because he's just, there's, there's, he's, that is him. He's just, uh, even if it's obstruction of justice or whatever he's tweeting, he's, uh, he's, he's authentic. So that he's doing right. Right. Um, but there's no, um, there's no self-censorship. There's no um, uh, uh, awareness of the effect. Um, I mean, I suspect he's really pushed the envelope of Twitter's terms and conditions a few times. Yes. Um, uh, and, you know, I think, I mean, you're right. And I know that you're not a Trump fan, so I know this, but, you know. It's but if we were, OK, we'll, we'll move on for, in a second. But if we were to re reverse engineer, like, how he does Twitter, mm. what, are we, what are we ultimately going to take away? What, what are, we, what are the, the, yes, the headline what, pieces we got? OK, if we apply this... So, strategy to something else, we're going to have similar levels of success. So, first, an authenticity. Yes. So, whether you like him or not, and lots, obviously lots of people do, he's been voted in as president. Um, he, the, he comes across on Twitter as this is, this is me, this is really what I think. I'm being honest, I'm being authentic. This is my personality, which is what people want on Twitter from, pe from people, from brands, from businesses, from broadcasters. He does that. Um, he also knows how to use Twitter. He uses the bits of Twitter right. And it's not that important, but compared to a lot of other politicians, he seems to, he seems to get Twitter. Um, but for me, I just think when in that time, when in the lead up to the election, if you look at Donald Trump's Twitter compared to Hillary Clinton, and if you take that uh, social media is having an influence, if there's obviously there's people who are going to vote one way, definitely. People who are going to go the other way, vote definitely. But there are some in the middle are undecided. And I feel like if you were on the fence enough to not despise Donald Trump, there was so much more to take from what he's offering you because it's a real, the, Hillary Clinton's Twitter feed was like a robotic, it was like a, just a press release. Totally. There's nothing. You, there, I, would, I cannot believe that anyone would follow that feed and be any more 
likely to vote for them. Whereas if you're already so inclined, if you have some of those opinions that he shared, that, that you actually could be persuaded because he's got the, the personality, he's honest, you can tell that he's well. It's, it's honest. Is shameless. Is a shameless liar. Yeah. Well, they're okay, so prepared to say totally. anything. That's, I'm just telling you that I'm saying he uses Twitter better. I'm right. not saying he uses it in morally good way. well. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But no, that's just. My, I my think opinion. what he, the one thing that he's understood, um, you know, when he when he like stares down at his like you know blunt sledgehammer tool that he uses to communicate with like you know millions of people is that if he says something outrageous, whether it's just a straight-out lie or something that's offensive or borderline racist or whatever, he knows that in the news cycle, that's what's going to dominate until he says something else incredibly offensive or racist or whatever, right? That's what he knows. He knows that he can be on TV in a 24-hour news cycle pretty much all day, every day, if he says something offensive on Twitter. And that's totally. it. And that's and if that's, that is the strategy, um, uh, how on earth can that be then replicated by anyone else um, if 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 they perhaps you know want to avoid saying offensive things or racist things? Because that's that's it. I mean, but you're but you're sort of making my argument in that even though he may, that it's unfortunate that uh, he's using it for evil. The fact that he can dominate. Uh, he can command that much news in that way for himself, much more so than than Obama did. Right. Um, that's another great use of it. I would also say, um, to your point earlier about the caddy, I think I, I maybe there's some truth in that, but I saw a thing of about a year ago that was really interesting, which was one of his um, speechwriters, I think it was, or one of his uh, strategists, uh, accidentally tweeted... Um, the tweet that was supposed to go out from Donald Trump's uh, account from his own account. Now, as someone has been a professional tweeter, um, uh, I can t- that could only have happened if this person is one of, if not the person, who does a lot of Donald Trump's tweets. And that person in question, if you look on his account as I did, is, again, doesn't, I don't share any of his political views, but clearly a brilliant writer and a brilliant strategist. So t- I think for us to presume that it's just this stupid, fat, old, orange man sort of clumsily just pouring at his phone, I think is nonsense. I think it's a very strategic, very well-planned uh, Twitter strategy by evil people. Can I say the counter-argument is one word, I think seven letters. Uh, he once tweeted, Kofifi. <laughs> <laughs> so there you are. That's All your argument. Very Destroyed. How do you think? Right. We're still talking about it now, you see. Yeah, true. I okay. mean, yeah, that's that's it, right? It doesn't even need to be offensive or racist. So you can just like put out a non-word, yeah. and still it gets covered. Which I still worry is actually the nuclear code, and that he was actually the, <laughs> he actually tweeted the nuclear code, and people go, "Oh my god, we better do it. We better fire the nukes." Anyway, that's an interesting there was uh, a blog, di- diversion. There was a blog written about a year ago when someone said it's about time. Um, Donald Trump got a professional tweeter. Uh, I think it was, I don't know if it was BuzzFeed or someone, and they drew up a list of potential candidates. And I was on, I was uh, one potential, and it made me think, would I, people started tweeting me, and, and, I, and, I, and I, yeah, and I was like, if, obviously this wouldn't, you know, but if it were, if the, if it were to happen that, that I got the invite, how much? Do- how much would you? It, have? It's not a monetary thing. It's more well, obviously, you know, but it's more just. You think could I turn down? You know, even even though he's the worst person, like it'd be a pretty good gig that. 
tweeting as the president of the United States. You have States. just destroyed our agency. Hello? Is this still on? <laughs> you have no all the four years of hard work. Listen, you're going to this out. Right? So let, let, yeah, well, let's talk about who, who you would need to seek permission from if, uh, let's say, that uh, particular RFP landed on your desk. So... Uh, I believe at some point this year, um, you were acquired by a larger agency. Tell us about... Uh, the how Republican all... Party. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about how that came together. So, what, how did it come together? Um, we reached a point, um, so yeah, fast forward a few years from that, that, uh, that chaos, um, and we, yeah, we got to about, I don't know, 60 or so in size, had lots of brilliant clients, things were going really well. But had reached the point where it was clear that we were, ed, we were, we were reaching, we were sort of um, the next stage of agency size and life, I think. And to make that leap, um, we needed more uh, infrastructure, and we needed all the stuff that David said before. We were starting to, we had sort of people in the team who were very strategic and and and, and good at that, but we didn't have a you know a team of strategists and and data, and we didn't have, and even just some of the things that that sort of the more boring sounding things, but really important in terms of having our own, you know, uh, payroll and HR and, mm. and IT and stuff that just that amount of people requires. So to make that leap, it seemed like it made sense to us to, to um, have some conversations about becoming part of a bigger thing. And we were pleased to say, we had no idea whether no one would be interested, everyone would be interested. And actually, it turned out we got lots of interest, which was great. Had lots of really nice conversations and, and brunches. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, ended up um, going with, with Weber Shamwick um, for various reasons. The big ones being they were, uh, excelled at all those things I just said before, you know, their, their strategy and data. And they focused very, very heavily on on storytelling in PR, which is what they're the, you know, one of the world's biggest PR agencies, um, and that aligned a lot with where where we were going. And a big thing was they're a massive global agency, and at some point in the not too distant future, we have aspirations to to look uh, further afield. So it made sense. Yeah, that's correct. Thank amazing, you amazing, and congrats. Thank you. Um, it, it's always uh, an, an exciting milestone uh, in in any entrepreneurial journey. Mm. So. Um, uh, you, you, you mentioned earlier that, that um, you know, one of the advantages of, of, of being part of a bigger agency is you get to go out and like jointly um, you know, pitch clients. I don't know how much you can share and talk about in terms of sort of the inner workings of, of the relationship you have with Web, Web at this point. But I am interested and I think our audience would be interested to learn about like how, how, what, what does jointly pitching with an agency like Web or with their capabilities and yours combined like actually look like? Yeah, so we've done a couple of joint pitches, including uh, a very big one, um, and I think it was a revelation to us because we've got we've got lots of work, and we've uh, you know we we do it I think on our the strength of our creative and you know our strengths whatever, but um, it was having working with Weber Shandwick on a pitch takes it you know you realise oh yeah this is what people do this is what the big boys do now mm -hmm. um, the whole. Well, pitch theatre, I mean, you were more involved in this pitch than mm. I were, but there's a level of the stra strategic journey that we never did and the data and let's let's take you on, on this journey, tell the story, and also pitch theatre. Let's, pitch you know, you know yeah. let's, let's decorate the room that in a way that sort of suggests something to do with your, your brand. Um, uh, just a whole different level that we could never have achieved right. um, on our own. Um, 
Uh, so it was, it was exciting to be part of that. Definitely, yeah. So in the, in the actual pitch itself, um, which is for, I think, I don't know if it's been announced yet, one of the big banks, um, we, yeah, for my part of the pitch, because it was a big part of, the, of what we were pitching for was, was around uh, cycling. Um, and so we had two uh, actors, or an actor and an actress, uh, on, on bikes next to me whilst I was pitching. There was a, a local award-winning chef who came in and, and presented uh, some snacks that were designed around uh, their different sort of brand uh, <laughs> uh, uh, sort of um, uh, propositions. And it was, yeah, the whole thing was, was amazing. But it wasn't just about the, the theatre and the... The, um, the sort of the, the tricks. It was kind of, as David said, the, 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 the journey that they took the client on um, strategically in terms of telling them where the brand should be was, was amazing. And then it, and it led, I could, you know, led to, to us winning it. And I think it made me think, because we've been, we've got a pretty good hit rate with pitches, but, but where we've lost out, I think the few we've lost out on, it's always been the really big ones. And we tend to have got down to really the end and then lost out to a bigger agency. I think it's because we never used to do any of that. And, yeah. not, and we'd, we would often go to some of our early pictures, I remember, I think it's lucky if they got a glass of water. Yeah. They'd just come and sit down, we'd throw a load of examples at them, and then sort of, they, you know. But, um, yeah, no, it was, it was amazing. And that's, that's the exciting uh, side of it. So now it's just kind of getting our two agencies all aligned and integrated. Mm, absolutely. Uh, let's just spend a few minutes talking about, like, the future. Um, uh, and, and I prefer not to, like, you know, over-speculate, look too far into the future, because quite honestly, like, who, who really knows? Um, but when you look back to the sort of early, uh, the beginnings of, of social media and your sort of foray into the space, um, and, and you think about sort of, like, how you were just you know, adapting to call of all the various different tools and the ways that you could kind of communicate back then... Um, and then sort of fast forward today, it's, it's, you know, it's probably fair that you couldn't possibly have imagined like how the entire kind of landscape would change over that time frame. So when we sort of extrapolate from where we are today into the future, what, what are some of the things that you're kind of like thinking about, perhaps even looking forward to um, in terms of how you see this space changing and, and what opportunities that might present for you and the work you do with your clients? Mm, great question. Um, so a big one um, for us, I think, is probably more uh, a DS thing, but as an agency, is is Facebook Watch, um, and how. So that really feels like the intersection of of what we do as an agency and what this Dave has done previously in terms of the idea of of making an uh, sort of <laughs> uh, TV. So I'm just just drawing my hair. Carry on. <laughs> He's a multitasker. <laughs> Um, uh, making sort of essentially TV shows but uh, or versions of, of TV shows that are social specific and platform specific feels like an exciting thing and Facebook Watch uh, feels like an area where that could really happen. Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, sort of to, to, to take social into, that's where people might go to view their TV, to consume the TV, uh, or what used to be TV, that's uh, uh, what young people are doing, they don't have a TV, who has a TV nowadays? Mm-hmm. Um, and so us operating in that space is exciting and then I guess like you're right we don't know where it's going to go is it is everything going to be ar and vr uh, on social uh we you sort of look to the platforms to go right now you can do this and then we rush in and play with it so mm. we'll have to see i mean i think uh, ar and vr I, i'm i'm very interested in how you can uh, have a drama have a piece of comedy ha- tell stories that plays with AR and VR. Because at the moment, people are still saying, look at this funny thing that looks like it's standing on your desk, but there's no storytelling going on. And that's the thing where 
I'm excited to take uh, my background, our expertise in the company, and marry it with technology in that way. Or, yeah. yeah, and for now, I mean, this is not so much the future is happening now, but th there's nothing more exciting for me than stories. I feel like we're still, it's in its infancy in terms of creatively what people are doing with it. And, I've, you know, we've got loads of ideas and just, just playing fun games with it. I've just been, you know, messing around with it on my own feed. But um, I feel like there's the, that's just, we're just at the start of that. Um, and then as a, on a personal thing, which is probably worth plugging on here, um, I'm um, uh, quite excited about trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm taking it upon myself. To work for Donald Trump. <laughs> the complete opposite. Um, I wrote, a, a th once after we got acquired, I wrote a, a thing about it on LinkedIn that um, got quite a lot of attention because part of what I focused on is because I'm a mixed race chap. Um, I'd mentioned how uh, it's still, our industry is not particularly diverse, and I'm quite keen to, to do something about that. And since then, um, uh, there's, a, there's a really amazing uh, group here in London that is about encouraging uh, the sort of digital and PR and social industry to be more diverse. They've asked me to be one of the men mentors in that. And there's various things coming out, something in uh, uh, PR week in a few weeks um, that's going to be, that I'm going to be involved in. But um, essentially, uh, yeah, I'm on a personal tirade to help diversity. You're going to really have to choose between working for Trump and that. I can't see you doing both, honestly. Yeah, it's a tough choice, actually. Yeah, yeah. so whichever offers me more money. Amazing. Well, actually, the, 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 those two things that you just touched on um, represent a perfect segue uh, to, to um, uh, us wrapping up this uh, wonderful conversation. So um, d stories and diversity, two very important things to Social Media Week next year. Our global theme is stories. With great influence comes great responsibility. So we look forward to having you guys contribute to that. Cool. Um, and diversity is yeah, also... Yeah, up on here. Yes, and diversity is also a hugely important subject as well. We have our own diversity initiative and goals that we set ourselves to hopefully... Uh, reflect and, and, and be more representative in, in terms of who comes and speaks and participates at our conferences. But we are out of time. David, David, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks, Toby. Cheers. Had thank a good time. you. Yeah, I've learned a lot about my partner. Yeah. <laughs> Donald, call me. This has been Leads to Scale, brought to you by Social Media Week. For more information on how to get involved with future events, visit socialmediaweek.org. If you have a moment, please rate, review, and subscribe to Leads to Scale wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening.